Praise the Lord. How many feels that way tonight? Um, uh, what it is whenever we get into the presence of the Lord, and dry and parched, and all of a sudden a good rain comes down from the presence of the Almighty God, and it just changes us, don't it? You imagine what it's going to be like when we live in that every day of our life for eternity? Praise God. We'll have bodies that will be able to take it. Right now, we ain't going to take so much of the blessings of God. We get slapped wore out. God bless you. Trust y'all are doing well. Fighting the devil. Question is, are you winning? All right. Praise the Lord. That's what I want to hear. God bless you. Had some good meetings down in Louisiana. The brothers done really good down there. Just a wonderful time being in the presence of the Lord. And certainly appreciate um, services I heard about here, Brother Darrell, and then Brother Matt on the weekend. It's wonderful to see what God's done in it. Let's turn, if you would, tonight to Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. Let's speak again tonight about the church. Aren't you glad you're part of it? Amen. Not the church system now, but the real, the real church. Matthew chapter 16, verse 17 and 18. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. If this man without a conversion already had a direct contact into the presence of God, what ought you and I to have tonight if we're born again? And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, Petra, little rock, and upon this rock, little rock on this rock, which wasn't the little rock, but it was on the big rock of Revelation. I will build my ecclesia, a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place, an assembly, in a Christian sense, an assembly of Christians gathered for worship in a religious meeting. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But it does say one thing for sure. The gates of hell will be against it. But the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power that worketh in us. Can you imagine how God is going to do in our lives according to the power that works in us? It ain't how big your wish list is. It ain't how big your want list is. But it says we will be able to release the power of God in us. Unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. And Paul had one good word to say after all of that. Amen. I say the same thing. Amen. I may like to be remembered tonight in prayer. God bless you, so would I. Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads to the dust of the earth, Lord Jesus, we are so grateful once again to be in your presence.
be here in this place which we've designated to be the house of God. Father, also grateful to be in the presence of the saints, the children of God, of like precious faith. Also those that are streaming tonight, Lord, and those that will go back and see the service. We just feel that we're your children gathered in different parts of the world. But Lord Jesus, though miles may separate some of us, different time zones, even different accents of our language, maybe different ethnicity, different color, but yet, Lord, we are one by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Father, we ask tonight that you would take your word and speak to us, Lord. We've gathered here, Lord, and we've brought with us our burdens, our difficulties, our trials of life. But Lord, we don't want to do you the dishonor by bringing our burdens and taking them back home with us. That would not be us testifying of who we believe you are. So we want to bring our burdens to the Lord and leave them there. So here tonight, Father, we come, we bring our request, our desires. We ask, Lord, that you would take your word and you would break it before us, that we would be able to see our needs. Release faith from within us. Help us tonight, God, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Oh, my, what a a great thing the church is. I wonder if we comprehend sometimes what a great thing the church of the living God really is. My mind goes back into the Garden of Eden when Father had brought the height of creation, as he had started with the lower forms of life, from moving to the universe and then picking out this particular planet, putting it in the visible part of the universe that would be able to see his glory, placing it upon what scientists call the elliptical plane. Casting the stars and all of the great solar system. And yet one particular planet found favor in his eyes. One that scientists would term millennia later and call it the blue planet. Man, of course, years ago did not realize the beauty that laid upon this spherical ball as it hung out in the universe where God placed it. At one time, even scientists thought that she was flat and that if you would go out so far, that should simply fall off. They didn't realize what kind of a God, what plan that he had in his mind when he made her. Even her shape coming into view in the last days was very important. And yet God desiring to make all of these wonderful things, but when he made an entity 
on this earth called man. And then out of that man bringing a woman. And of all the great things and all the great orders that God had made concerning the universe and the stars and the planetary systems that man is still yet finding out to this day. But he made one entity in the Garden of Eden which was more profound than anything else that he had made. And that was a man. Then he began to unfold the laws and the inner workings of that man and his relationship with God and his social ability to be able to relate to other human beings. Now they're not in existence yet, but God made man a social creature. He did not know it. He didn't even realize that he had the capability and the potential to talk to other humans, to be around other humans. He hadn't been. We don't know if he was there for hundreds of years or maybe 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 before he began to realize there was a longing inside of his heart to reach out in a social way to communicate to other humans. All he'd ever known was animals. So God brought animals to him and he named them. He watched them and he saw their behavior and he beheld how they'd done and God gave him the ability to empower him by discernment to be able to name every creature that was on the face of the earth. And whatsoever Adam named them was the name thereof. But yet God so designed this human being to where he was a social creature. Unbeknowingst to himself, he had no desire maybe in the initial creation because God's plan was unfolding in his life. And as God began to let the man walk into a further stage of his ability and the animals all named and his relationship to them was established and the man moves into a sphere after this part of his vocation is done. And God lets him fulfill all of that. And it's like once he arrives to a plateau in the presence of God or a sphere in God that is he fulfills one, then another arises and he fulfills that one and another arises and he goes on and on and after all these things are done in dealing with the everything about the earth. Then he, he well, what, what am I going to do now? What, what am I going to do? I've got all of these animals and they're all named and they're all, everything is good, but what, what am I going to do from this point on? And maybe it was at this time that he began to feel this aching as it was this something that he hadn't noticed so real before. It had not been so much that was pressing upon his being until this phase of his life had changed and now he completed that part of what God wanted him to do and then this something begins to move inside this man and God said it is not good that the man should be alone. 
And then God opens now further the entity of the human race and expands the human race. And God never started it now. He could have had it to where it was a father and his daughter in the Garden of Eden if God would have so wanted. God could have had a father and a son. He could have made two brothers. He could have made Adam and then made whoever the other son of God's name was, which probably was Abel, on the book of life, God could have bypassed the human entity altogether and he could have had to be Adam and Abel. And it would have not been father and son, but it would have been brother and brother because in the family of God, that's what they were. But God desired to bring something into view in a shadow which would take him thousands of years to fully unfold the mystery of what he was going to do in the Garden of Eden. 4,000 years he would be in making this second Adam and then another 2,000 years before he would complete his counterpart which would be the divine entity of the, of the Christ himself which would become the bride. And yet God unfolds a little bit of it here in the Garden of Eden as we see that God when he takes his part out of Adam and he operates on him as it was and removes the rib and then God also goes inside the spirit, divides the spirit, put the feminist qualities inside this body and God allows Adam to open up and, and the anesthesia, divine anesthesia of God begins to wear off and no doubt he sends Eve into the place where Adam was and Adam, maybe his eyes begin to bat a little bit and he maybe he's kind of shaking a little bit and as he opens up his eyes and he looks and there she is. He's seen elephants, he's seen horses, he's seen trees, he's seen the earth in a state that we can only dream about. He saw beauty that these eyes and your eyes have never behold thus far. He saw green in the trees that we've never seen. He must have seen the blue and the hues of aqua and aquamarine in the waters in a way that you and I have never even known it. The sky must have been of such an aura of blue. The earth itself must have been such a paradise. And yet when Adam's eyes open up and he looks standing here a woman now and there she stands with her blonde hair hanging down her back and her blue eyes and maybe taking her hand and rubbing it up and down his arm. God telling her now go near him and stand near him and whenever he comes awake you be the first thing that he sees. Stand near him there and just, just speak to him and whenever he comes to then he will know what to do for he is my son. And I can see him there in the Garden of Eden as he laying, uh, maybe, may, and of course, no doubt, not like a hospital bed or something, but God just laying him down on some big leaves or something, and all of a sudden he begins to come to, and the presence of God coming down, because Father wants to see his response to his wife. For this is a furtherance of the entity of this man that God has placed on the earth. He will, he will now be faced with more of a situation than he had in naming the elephant and the lion and the cheetah and the leopard and so on and so on. Because God brought them from the dust of the earth and brought them to Adam to see what he would name them. And maybe God went over to the other side and he allowed maybe Adam 
Adam to stand there. But now Adam is asleep. And Adam was not able to see where God brought this creature from. There was no other woman on the face of the earth. This was the first one. And she was God's perfect thought of a woman. God's perfect thought of a woman and what a woman should be. So as his eyes come open and she's standing there caressing his arm and maybe speaking to him and as he finally becomes conscious and he looks around and he begin to think, oh my, what, what, what's happened here? He went, whenever he went to sleep, he was by himself. But when he woke up, Hallelujah! When he went to sleep, he was by himself. But when he woke up, he was no longer alone. He was in the paradise with his helpmeet that God had not made from another pile of dirt, but God took from the original creation and be able to expand that creation into a feminist form. Oh my, he said, you are a woman, Ishai, because you were taken out of Ish, which is man. You are woman. Now remember her name was not Eve. No more than his name was Adam, which of course means red, but he was identified as man. And if you would have identified them in the Garden of Eden, their name, she did not get her name, Eve, till after the fall. Whenever then she become the mother of all living. I've often wondered what her true name really is. Think of it. She picked up a human name that was the identification of her fall. But what was her word name? My name being Donnie, yours Jim, yours Keith, Terry, Karen, Carol, Cheryl, whatever you are. But that's not your word name. That's your human name and you bear that image because of the fall. But one day, praise be to God, we will be burst into that true family of God and get our true name. Oh, what a great thing it must have been. And oh, hallelujah, God just rested from all of his works. And God enters in actually the dawn of the millennium. And the millennium becoming burst after man now reaches this stage to where that man can mirror his own reflection in a feminist form, which was the bride. Can't you see the tithe of God coming down through the church ages and going into the millennium? And yet God desired, knowing this would come upon the earth, that man would sin. God places man in the Garden of Eden on a probationary period, giving him power, authority, and so on, knowing man would fall, but he could not make the man fall. Yet there was attributes about our Heavenly Father which would be manifested, only manifested after the fall, which could never be manifested before the fall. So he allowed it to be thus in order to bring up the greatness of his expression. He will totally deal with sin in the measure that sin will be destroyed. The sin question will be settled forever. And he chose to do this to the entity of 
of human beings. Now, of course, the angels had already fell before the foundation of the world, them being given the opportunity like a soul where they could choose. Prophet tells us that day on Calvary, Satan's soul, uh, Satan's soul sinned in the Garden of Eden. Of course, before the Garden of Eden, rather, so his soul sinned. And there he fell away from the image that God had given him as light bringer. And God knew, of course, that he would do that. But yet God desired to be able to bring all of these great, wonderful things into the paradise of God. Oh, it must have been a tremendous thing. As God placed his great masterpiece in the Garden of Eden. And of course, any real sculptor or artist or artisan or whatever it is, they want to pick a place that is very fitting for their masterpiece. So God placed his masterpiece in the Garden of Eden outside of Egypt, which is where it lay. God laid, of course, the four rivers as they come out of there. And remember, the number four is the number of earthly deliverance. So God placed the four rivers there, dividing them, Pison, Havilah, by which way that they would go. And then reflecting in that, when God was going to start rebuilding the masterpiece, that God also picked the number four whenever he laid four foundations upon which the body word of the prophets would stand, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. One being faith, one being grace. Oh, hallelujah. Why? Because the number four is the number of earthly deliverance. So God desiring to reflect something. Oh, it was a great, great drama to him. It was like, also like, of course, a symphony. And that is that God will allow all the music to be placed together. As long as you and I will beat out what God says in the sheet music of our life. That's what Satan wants to hinder us from. And we know as long as we are doing that, it will beat out God's divine symphony. And yet maybe somebody that doesn't understand music, they'd see this to bar over this and this over this ninth and this thirteenth and this minor and this argumented chord and this diminished and this, that, and other. Somebody else would say, I, I don't understand nothing that he's talking about. I don't understand what's going on. But if you've got the sheet music and it's written inside of your heart, then you're able to say, well, I don't understand how it all works out. But I know the composer well enough to know he don't make mistakes. There's times in our life that we'll hit real low minor spots and it'll be things that'll be very, very sad and very, very difficult. And we'll look at it and try to understand it. And the best that we can do, we still cannot make sense out of it. But we have to come back to the composer and know that the composer knows what he is doing. We don't understand it all. How many has ever been there in your life? You didn't understand. You couldn't figure it out to save your life. But yet once you look back and oh friend what a day that will be once we move beyond mortality and we are burst into the all knowing omnipotence omnipotence, and we are finally burst into that state that we were should have been in the beginning but bypassed because of mortality then we will be able to look back and say oh my so that's why that happened and all oh, that makes such sense well see to him it makes sense on that side anyway to us it doesn't so we look and think, well, why in the world would God have ever went to all of that trouble and brought all this into existence and just allowed it to this to be this way? And yet our minds are sometimes like children uh, in the medical center. For those of you that have been there for two, when you come out of the elevator and you make a left and then you make another left and you're heading out to the intensive care part in the waiting area there, they've got little signs from children that are written all down through there. Say, God, uh, I, you get thank you for giving us a baby, but I ask for a pup. 
puppy. And then another child wrote another one and another one. Another one says, God, uh, why do you let people die and then bring new people on the earth? Why don't you just keep the same old ones that you've got? So, you know, as I've been down through there hundreds of times, literally going to see people there, and I've read those things over and over again, and I've thought about it so much that that we look at them and say, oh, that's so childish. But in reality, that's the way we are when it comes to the program of God. We're like children. We're saying, well, God, why why did you do this? And how come you done that? Why do you do this? So to us, it doesn't make any sense. And we look at why in the world would he have ever let it fall from that great place? It was to express his greatness and the attributes of mercy and forgiveness and all the things that has been displayed for all these thousands of years. Now he comes and he begins to mold in the masculine form of the the masterpiece and that is Christ Jesus. He takes 4,000 years to be able to make that. Then he's been in 2,000 years he's been molding a bride that would be the counterpart. Can you imagine? God moving down through time and all of this has been for this one great program that God may be able to be revealed in Christ and Christ revealed in the bride. This is what I say. The church of the living God. Are we sure that we understand what it is to be a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? To think, friend, that our life is just not haphazard. It wasn't that your mom and daddy just got together and they decided they are going to have a baby. Well, you could have been a boy or you could have been a girl or you could have been an it or a wasm or an ism or something else. No, our life is pre-planned by God. Well, I, I just happened to be here and, well, you know what? My mama was going to abort me or my, my daddy was going to do this, that, and other. Nope, you were a seed of God. You had to be here on the earth. And you had to give expression because you are the fervor, furtherance now of the entity of the Lord Jesus. So what is the church? The church is the furtherance of the masterpiece in the New Testament. Now, I read it down, Brother Tim's in the meeting there, that the prophet said that the Old Testament and the New Testament are husband and wife. So the Old Testament, Christ fulfilled it. You understand, the Lord Jesus did not fulfill the New Testament. You say, how could that be? It was not written, friends. The New Testament was not even written by the time he lived his life and he left and went up into heaven. The New Testament was not even written. So who's going to fulfill that? The church of the living God. So he is the Old Testament, the male. The bride is the New Testament, the female. So together they make the Holy Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament together. You merge them together with the 66 books and what do you have? The Holy Writ of God, the Holy Scripture. Now, then God desired to be able to express himself then to the world. In an age of darkness and an age, of course, whenever man will be upon the earth, it was a terrible time, I know, in the Ephesian age. And it went down into the time of darkness under the Catholicism. And the seed had to be ground down under the dirt. The prophet tells us in Masterpiece that there is your denominations, the dirt which held the original seed. But God said that he was going to restore. So he had an alpha which was the original seed word. But that alpha bride will only live to herself unless God allows her to be buried under a time of persecution. So God allowed that first church in its purity to be buried in order to resurrect it. Oh, thank God. 
Now, we ought to be so grateful tonight in our hearts to realize that we are no, no longer living under the church ages in the sense of Luther, Wesley, or even the Pentecostal message. Now, we're at the end of the Laodicean age. There is no eight ages. There is no eighth messenger. We're just at the very end of the Laodicean age, which is called the Bride Age. Amen. Not no eighth messenger, not no new message. This is a slot of time right at the very end of the Laodicean age. But remember the prophet tells us in the rapture message that it is the seventh age or the Laodicean age that takes the rapture. God is completed in sevens. Now we'll look at it. But God has five sevens in which he deals with the redemption of the church. Five sevens. And God is revealed in that great mercy and that fives of course being grace and sevens being completion. So we see the sevens all down through the Bible. So uh, as far as eight and our baptism of the Holy Ghost in our soul, our soul is crossed over into the eighth day, but there is no eighth age in time. But eight grows back to eternity. But in time, we are still right here in Laodicea. Well, praise the Lord. We're living right in the middle of it. It's around us everywhere. But we have been called out by what? A bride age message. So, you know, well, who brought it? Well, it was the seventh angel. He was sent to the Laodicean church age with a message of rebuke. But after the opening of the seals, the word becoming real and to bring the people, oh, glory to God, the people of the book, their identity, then what happened? God uses the exact same messenger under the anointing of Luke 17 30 the revealing of the son of man in order to bring you and I to our position in the gospel well hallelujah we did not need to hear more preaching just about the cross and preaching about hell the church ages had that they knew that the Lord Jesus had died for their sin but there had to be something further don't get mad at me now you needed to hear more than the preaching of the cross the Baptist the church of Christ the church of God so on and so on. They hear that all the time. That won't put you in the rapture. You've got to have a culminating message in the end time that will cause your faith to rise to a higher plane that could only be so by the sounding of those seven thunders, which was the voice of God. What was the seven thunders? Simple. It was the voice of God releasing the message of every church age. When John stood there and he heard, Lord, I don't know why I'm going this way, but when John was out on the Isle of Patmos and he heard the seven thunders, when John heard them, he actually heard what it was. It was not a mystery to John as it was to Daniel. Because remember, Daniel heard the same thing, but it was in a rumble type form where Daniel couldn't understand it. But when John heard it, John actually picked up his pen to write what the seven thunders said, but the angel said, don't write it, John. Don't write it. No, sir, don't make it known. The devil finds that out. He can do great damage with it. So he said, seal it up till the end time. Oh, hallelujah. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he has declared to his servants, the prophets. Amen.
What is it? It's the lamb making the entity of his family known upon the earth. We know that the saints of God in all seven of the church ages, they've gone under the altar according to the dispensation that they lived and they received the portion of the spirit of God that God gave to them. The elect of God, of course, are there waiting. They are sealed away. And we know that the life comes up. The prophet likens it to two different symbols. One time he'll liken it to a tree and another time he'll liken it to a wheat plant. Now he said God, the wheat plant, God used the wheat plant and the wheat plant is the type of the church ages. But the individual, the Holy Ghost church is not that type so much, but it's a type of the tree. Now we look around here on the middle of October and we see that our leaves are starting to turn a little bit. A lot of them just fall off. What's happening? The life is starting to go down from the tree and go down into the roots because before you know it, we'll be freezing to death here in these hills. So if it didn't do that, then the tree would die. But notice the tree. So the life goes down and the spring comes back up. And the fall goes down and the spring comes back up. Back and forth, back and forth. But you don't find that in a wheat plant. The life comes up from Luther unto Wesley, from Wesley unto Pentecost, from Pentecost to Malachi 4, but you never find the life going backwards in a wheat plant because the wheat plant testifies of the denomination. Well, I'm just going to preach tonight. The wheat plant testifies of the denominational system. So once the life moved on, once the pillar of fire moved on, then you know what? God could never go back into the Lutherans and ever give them a Holy Ghost revival. Once it moved from Luther unto Wesley and then God moved out of Wesley, he could never go back to Wesley. That's why they all dried up and died and everything. There's no move of God. So when God left the Pentecostal church, come on children, when God left the Pentecostal church and the life moved on, they can scream, they can shout, they can holler, they can play their music, they can do what they want to do. They will never have a Holy Ghost revival again. I don't care what they do. I don't care how much they pray, how much they fast. Why, Brother Scott? Because the life moved. Where did it go? Here it is. The life moved into the fourth stage. Remember four, the number of earthly delivers. So the fourth stage is what? Right back to the original seed word again. All that Luther was plus. All that Wesley was plus. All that Pentecost was plus. Oh, hallelujah. All they was on the day of Pentecost plus. All they was in the Ephesian church age plus. The revealing of the word. They did not need the seventh they did not need the seals but you and I need them in the end time to restore the truth back to our hearts that would bring a resurrection faith and cause even our dead to raise out of this cemetery over here he does that. Hallelujah to God. Where was I? Oh yeah, here I am. Oh my goodness. Wow, I don't know how to explain that. I'm not going to try. 
Now, notice Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Goodness gracious, Allah. <laughs> Praise be to God. Now, let's watch and, and look at the foundation of the New Testament church. And let's look at the value that the Lord Jesus and also in the book of Acts and, and the Pauline epistles and the other scriptures in the New Testament, the emphasis that was actually placed upon the church because down through time through these church ages, it got to a place to where the emphasis changed from the divine emphasis that God placed on the church, especially in the Laodicean time frame when it comes into Hollywood as Hollywood wood moves into the pulpit then the focus changes away from the church and it focuses upon this man, that man, this man, that man, this great personality, this and that and the other but I want to prove to you tonight by the grace of God that is Antichrist God started out his focus on the church and God will close his focus on the same thing the church so it's not this great man, that great man what's so sad friends, it's his crap right inside of our message and preachers want to feel like they're the main thing let me tell you something preachers has never been the main thing and they never will the main focus of God is the church itself and the body move that God places among them and God has always sent God called God ordained ministry not for the sake of making a Hollywood star out of them or making them some kind of famous important person but in order for them to minister to the flock and to try to watch over the flock and take care of the flock all oh, is preached now to be able to help them but what has the merging together of truth plus Hollywoodism done well it's made great famous preachers great famous preachers to where though people have got their hero preacher and my this great preacher and that great preacher and this great preacher over here and then the focus changes instead of everybody having a church to go to a home church where they assemble together everybody picks their favorite and then they focus around him and they talk about him and they rally come on to happy valley notice here Jesus speaking Matthew 18 15 moreover if thy brother shall trespass against thee go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone if he shall hear thee thou hast gained thy brother but if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouths of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Third step. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the tape player. The Pope. The Bishop. Who? The church. But if he neglect to hear the church... Now notice, if, if you take somebody with you and he neglects to hear you and that brother, you don't count him as a heathen. But if you go to the second step, you still don't count him as a heathen. But if the church collectively is approached about this situation and the brother refuses to hear the body, think of now the value of the church. Then this man or woman is actually called a heathen man and a publican. Oh my goodness. 
Well, y'all quit shouting over that. We come out of the universe walking down through the paradise of the Garden of Eden, and now we're down where the rubber hits the road. Y'all done quit saying amen. If he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. It makes no difference how much he shouts, how much he quotes the message, how many dreams, visions, prophecies, jerks, shouts, jumps, twitches, snorts, whatever he has. It makes no difference. Well, Samuel, don't get too loud, buddy. You see, the focus of the Lord Jesus was not Peter. The focus of the Lord Jesus was not James. It was not Bartholomew. But it was who? The church. Don't you understand, friend, what Satan's trying to do inside of our own message? Most of the people that are constantly talking about Brother Branham, don't you understand? They have never yet been back to apostolic faith. Everything is always Brother Branham, Brother Branham this, Brother Branham that. They're constantly looking for new scriptures that Brother Branham has fulfilled. They're constantly trying to find more places and bring him closer and closer and closer to the deity of the Lord Jesus. Do you hear them talking about his humanity or his weaknesses or his frailty? Oh no. What do they brag on? What do they talk about? That which makes him look more like Jesus Christ. Remember that old deity spirit was not killed when he struck that snake. It's still right around the message of the hour. You're blessed tonight if you can embrace this truth and realize what God has done and not make an idol out of our prophet. I say praise God. Notice this now. Acts chapter 2 verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. Now watch it. We'll go to the church itself. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be said. Now notice the focus now. The Lord is not adding to the doctrine of the church. The Lord is not going about and they're handing out scripts and scrolls and books and this and that and the other. And more and more people are accepting the ideology or the theology of the church. But they were added to the church by the Holy Spirit. Ghost, which is the only way to get members anyway. But notice the focus. They were not added to Peter. They were not added to Paul. They were added to what? God's new entity on the earth, which was what? The church. Oh my. Acts chapter 5 verse 10. Notice this now. This is of course Ananias and Sapphira. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost and the young men came in and found her dead carrying her forth buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Notice how the focus Luke the writer of the book of Acts how that everything worked around the church. Now Peter is here which the Catholics called the Pope but yet the their focus was not Pope Peter because they didn't believe in Pope Peter they didn't believe in Pope Paul or John Paul they didn't have no Pope well praise the Lord you realize now the message folks and many of them have got Popes 
Oh yeah, we've had a pope that's over the seven thunders to try to tell us how to believe the seven thunders. Now we got a pope that's trying to raise up to tell us what kind of music we should listen to. And we will, I guess we've got to run all of our music by him, pope so-and-so, uh, to be able to see if it meets his, with his divine approval. I say trash and nonsense. And we got a pope over this and a pope over there. At least the Catholic Church has only got one. We got a whole bunch. We've got one in South Africa. We've got one from Trinidad. We've got one from New York. We've got one from here and there and there. But the bride ain't got one. Because the bride ain't looking for a pope. She's looking for her lover, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Notice again now, Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. Talking about Stephen. At that time, there was a great persecution against the ministry, the preachers, the prophet, the prophet, the prophet, the prophet, the prophet. Notice their focus, Brother Terry. It was not them saying, the prophet, the prophet, the prophet, the prophet, the prophet this, the prophet that, the prophet this, the prophet that. It was the church. The focal reference was Christ in the church, which they embraced as a body. Friends, this is why I'm totally convinced. Many of the message people have not been restored back to original apostolic faith. If Peter could walk in some of our message churches, he'd probably be astonished. He would probably be astounded and astonished the way people nearly worship Brother Branham and talk about Brother Branham and every other word is Brother Branham this and Brother Branham that and Brother Branham something else. And he's saying, my goodness, what, what, what are you all doing talking about that? We had prophets among us too. We had a great man among us, Paul. We had great apostles, but we never sure never praised them. We sure never lifted them up at the right hand of God. Oh my. Notice at that time there was a great persecution. Wow. So the Lord Jesus is gone. God's focus has changed. And so is Slewfoot's. You don't find the apostles doing no suffering when Jesus was here. Why? The focus of the devil was right on the Lord Jesus. But when the Lord Jesus left, not only did they get the Holy Ghost, they got his reproach. <laughs> Boy, we don't like that part. That's the tough part, ain't it? Now notice then hell has now recognized that this is the extension of the God society. God at one time had one man in which the fullness of God dwelt and that was for a period of three and a half years or so on the earth and now Satan has learned that the extension of God has now been manifested in what Jesus called the church. So hell turns all of its focus now, the Lord Jesus is now here in a body form, so hell turns all of its focus on the feminist form of Christ which is the church. Praise God. They were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the preachers, the musicians, the song leaders. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not like that they pulled the ministry out from the body 
and made the ministry this great something or another that all the focus is on the ministry and the church is nothing. No, their thinking was the ministry was also a part of the church. I'll tell you one thing, I wouldn't give you a nickel for an evangelist that travels around and don't never go to church himself. An evangelist that never hears nobody else preach, something wrong with him. Well, preach, Brother Donnie. Evangelist needs a home church. That's right. And if there is some kind of New Testament prophet that'd be in this message, I certainly believe there could be, they also will have a home church and be subject to their pastor. Just like an evangelist, just like an apostle, just like a teacher. Well, come on now. An apostle that does not have a home church and a pastor, forget it. Now, this is going over like I figured it would. If I didn't know better, I'd think you all are in love with Hollywood preachers. You see, this seems strange, don't it? But this is the New Testament. It was not all the pastor, the pastor, the prophet, the prophet, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, the teacher, the teacher. No, it was the church. In the church was the prophet, the pastor, the apostle, the teacher. Well, praise the Lord. Mama. Notice Acts chapter 9 verse 31. Whenever the church now went through a time of persecution, then God let a cycle of rest come upon the churches. And Luke says, then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria. Now why aren't they calling the preacher's names? Why aren't they saying, Brother Tim and his congregation, Brother Donnie in Happy Valley, and um, uh, Brother Ray Erickson up there in Ohio, and Brother Mike Price out in Arkansas, why aren't they known by the preachers who pastored them? I can see already I'm in hot water. Actually, it feels like it's boiling in here the way that I'm sweating. You see, friend, what Satan has done so he, whenever he would come into the message, what does he do? He does the same thing. So he pull out a preacher, give him the big head, make him feel like everybody's got to stream his service or hear what he's got to say. Go to pulling people out from their church. I'm going to preach with or without you. Go to pulling people out of their church. And he's the one that's sent to the whole bride around the world. That is a bunch of lies. There's one man the whole bride around the world will hear, and his name ain't Reagan. His name ain't Pruitt. His name is Branham, and it ain't Joseph, or it ain't Billy, or it ain't some other Branham. It is William Marion Branham. Hallelujah. Oh my, then have the churches rest at all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. So here, look over and over again. He's not saying, well, this man had so many in his meetings and this man here, boy, he prayed for the people. I'll tell you what, he done this and that and the other. Where is the personal identification now upon all of these great ministers? All these singing ministries, 
that are outside of the church. You know where that thought comes from? Antichrist. You don't find that in the Bible. Oh, more, I'm, I'm getting in deep, ain't I? people that's famous around the message and want to go out and sing and do this and that and other. I don't need no pastor. Who are you going to sing to? A singer that don't have a home church and not subject to a pastor is not fit to walk on the pulpit and sing special songs because they're not so special. Well, praise the Lord. Where's all this stuff come from, friend? Out here. And then you find a lot of those special singers. Well, I could give you a lot of stuff tonight. But a lot of these singers are some of the biggest problem makers in the churches. A lot of musicians. Oh, goodness gracious, here we go. A lot of musicians become so arrogant and puffed up and they feel like the church has to have them. As a pastor was just talking to me just a few days ago about a musician in his church that has caused so many problems. Not a preacher, a musician that just becomes so exalted and gets among the people and causing trouble. Where is that in the New Testament church? Ouch works well too. As long as I know you're alive. So where has it come from? It's come from the world. Now, did they have musical instruments in the New Testament church? I'm sure they did. Anybody know any of their names? Anybody know special singers in the New Testament? What about special songwriters in the New Testament? So where did they get the notoriety around the message to where they feel like they had this little miniature kingdom? And they got followers here and there and there. Where's it come from? Out here. Show them in your Bible and I'll stand up Saturday night and say I was wrong. Well, amen. Oh, me. But the truth of it is, friends, many of these message folks don't care if it's in the Bible or not. It's what they want and it's what they believe. They don't need scripture, nor do they need message. But believers do, of course. Can I go on? Y'all want me to go on? I mean, you want me to leave this. (laughs) Watch now. And the hand of the Lord was upon them. Acts 11, 21. And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the bishop. The church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Who did? The church. Now it was not a synod of bishops. It was not the pontificate himself. It was not some great holy men that laid hands on him. But it was the church. Can you imagine ministry? Ministry? Men that were called to preach? They would listen to whether or not their church sent them out. I'll tell you what they're doing. This message, if you don't use them, they'll leave and go somewhere else. Oh, yeah. You don't use a preacher as much as he thinks you ought to use them. He'll pack his bags and go somewhere else. Has nothing to do with what truth he's hearing. He's going to be used. 
Praise the Lord. This is so good. I can tell y'all just enjoying this so much. It's just. Oh, my. I can see that look on y'all's face now. It's like you're wallowing around in a bunch of jalapeno peppers. And you're just. Amen, Brother Donnie. When I, when I look at y'all, y'all go, amen. Then you get that jalapeno look. Verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him in unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves. So here's a prophet. In the land. And can you believe it? This prophet assembles with the church. And he don't come to take it over. Well, glory. He didn't come and bless God. I'm a prophet of God. With that attitude, you're a false prophet. Well, thank you, Jesus. Boy, Wednesday night meetings like this is what makes them good shouting meetings on Saturday night. Yeah. Hallelujah. Oh, my. Came to pass a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Reaganites, Branamites, Venites. Pruitites. A true prophet of God does not want to brand the followers with his name, but the name of Christ Jesus. Oh, praise God. It's sad that we don't want to be called Christians no more, but we want to be two soul, we want to be deity, we want to be returned, we want to be this and that and the other. You committed adultery when you took that name on you. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. This was after a visitation of a true prophet of God who stood there and stayed the word week in, week out, service after service after service after service, and then say, why don't we be called, called Paulites? Or why don't we be called a, a maybe Paulinitis or Apollonitis? Or, or let's attach some man of God name to our, our move and let's, let's see what we can become. But after a year sitting under a real prophet of God's ministry, they said, after all this, there's only one thing I can come up with. We need a name. Why don't we call ourselves Christians? That's a real servant of God. Well, praise the Lord. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. Oh, Luke. Dr. Luke. Notice, he's not again exalting this office, this person, this one, that one. But he simply calls them certain of the church. 
Now, not that they were apart from the church. Oh, Peter wasn't even in the fivefold ministry. Peter was so great. You see, when folks do that to Brother Branham, do you understand what they're doing? They're taking Brother Branham right out of the New Testament and placing him in the Old. That's why they have to prove their one-man message theory. Come on. Because Jeremiah was the only one that preached his message. Moses was the only one that preached his. Noah was the only one that preached his. But if you leave Brother Branham in the New Testament, then God sends a prophet and others who are taught under the ministry of that prophet, other ministries go right out from under that prophet and say what he said. But of course they don't want to hear that, so they place, take him out of the New Testament, place him over in the Old Testament, and there ain't nobody supposed to preach my Brother Branham. That's a lie. Amen. So Herod stretches forth his hand to be able to vex certain of the church. And Peter therefore was kept in prison. But prayer was made, notice now, without ceasing. Of who? The nobodies. The people that's not really important. The people that don't really have any value. Don't you understand Luke's mentality with a New Testament apostolic view? That it was the church who prayed Peter out. I'm not saying God didn't hear Peter's prayer, but apparently Luke had some inspiration that it was the church of the living God, friend. It's not just my prayers that God hears. It's not just Brother Darrell's prayers or the ministry's prayers. Oh, God, if I just get to Brother Ron Spencer, oh, my, Brother Tim Pooch will pray for me. Oh, yes, God uses them, brothers, but God will use you if you let him. Oh, you may not stand up and preach and prophesy and cast out devil, but are you a righteous man? Are you a righteous woman? The fair and effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much, the Bible says. We're not trying to bring you a message that Tom constantly, constantly magnifies Brother Branham and magnifies the fivefold ministry and leaves the church of the living God sitting there, a bunch of weaklings that struggle from one service to another. Oh, if I can help you to realize the same Holy Ghost I've got, you've got. The same Holy Ghost Brother Branham had, you've got. The same Holy Ghost of ministry God, you got. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Acts chapter 13 verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. As Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Mahanaim, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. Well, praise the Lord. The Holy Ghost reached into the White House. You understand a few years ago, the pilot of Air Force One was reading the same message books you read. 
I imagine sometimes when the president thought he was having turbulence, that guy might have been having a fit up there behind that. (laughs) (laughs) But notice now, the focus was not on these prophets and apostles and teachers apart from the church and the church come begging to them and they was the great holy holy popes and the church was nothing they were in the church oh I love this I said I love this any preacher that can't say amen to this needs the Holy Ghost any preacher that this offends needs to get born again right here tonight. My goodness, we find our place in the Word of God, we can serve. My certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, and Col Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, May and Aaron, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Notice. Acts 14, 26. Then sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come, notice, and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them, how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. You mean these great men of God are sitting down telling the church what God was doing. Why? They was the ones helping support the way. They was the ones maybe not just in money only, but in prayer. They wanted the church to know it was not that these great ministries was over here and the church was a bunch of nothings and nobodies. That's not the way they looked at it. Therefore, Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go into Jerusalem under the apostles and elders about this question. It's about circumcision, remember, and the Gentiles. And being brought on their way by the church. They passed through Phoenicia and Samaria. They were brought on their way by the church. What was the church, the New Testament church? The entity of God. You did not come through a country and pass through and there was a church there. You never even had the common courtesy and you're a prophet of God. You're a great preacher. I don't care if you can smile from one end to the other. If you've got 90,000 in your congregation or how many ever you've got, you're a servant of God if you're called. A servant to the people. Preachers are not meant to be kings and monarchs. Our kingship comes after a while. Well, glory to God. I wish this church was full of preachers tonight. Well, I don't know if I wish that or not, don't see. We have to start sending up in metal scanners back there and make sure people ain't packing guns to church. No, so they brought them on their way by the church. Oh, my. And they declared the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. My, and when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church 
and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. What was it, Brother Terry? It was the move of God. The entity of Christ was the church. Let me have a few more minutes. Acts 15, 40, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. Can you imagine a preacher in this message now that the church would recommend to him, you know what, brother, I I think that brother so-and-so would really make you a good traveling companion. Who do you think you are? Tell me, the Holy Father, Dr. Reverend Nothead. That's what you are if you think you're that. Look how they viewed it. Well, what's the matter? Glamour. Hollywood. Verse 41. He went through Syria and Sicilia confirming the churches. I love this word. Strengthen to establish besides. Strengthen more. So he strengthened. And then he said, I think I'll strengthen you again. Now, many of you have heard that the Presbyterians, this is what, where they get the word confirming Christians. You've heard of that? Confirming. You haven't heard it. Well, Brother Ray mentioned uses the same word. Said not confirmation or confirming the Christian. Well, they try to take and do it and make a denominational something out of it. That's not what it is. It's when servants of God finding their place are able to strengthen the saints of God in their position. So am I going to strengthen your position telling you that you ain't nobody? That you ain't never going to have no faith. You ain't never going to rise out of there. I'll tell you one thing, friends. I want to tell you, you're the bride of Christ. You're the elect of God. God wants you to have faith. I believe the supernatural power of God not only should be in Donnie Reagan, Daryl Ward, Terry Horn, all these preachers. I believe every one of us as children of God ought to taste the supernatural of God, experience the supernatural of God, want the supernatural. You say, why, Brother Donnie? Because that's what it's going to be that's going to change you. Oh, my. As they went through the cities, they delivered them decrees for to keep. For they were, they were ordained of the apostles and elders, which were at Jerusalem. So were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Look at it. The church over and over and over. Paul's ministry got bigger and, and more people were sending their tithes to Paul. And then Paul's ministry actually got to where it was larger than Peter's and more people were streaming Paul's services than there were Peter's services. And they had this competition between them of this keeping a record so they know how many were streaming so they could put, you know, up this decoration of all this. We are the largest streaming church in the message. That wasn't what it was all about. It still isn't today. Acts 18, 22, let's close. When he had landed at Caesarea and gone up and saluted the church, he went down to Antioch. But first things first. The queen was there. So you go to the queen's house first. <laughs> then go to Antioch. Praise God. 
Acts 20, 16, Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend time in Asia. For he hasted, if it were possible for him to be at Jerusalem, the day of Pentecost. And from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the tape players of the church. Wow, how did that get in there? And call the elders of the church. Let's stand. The church. The church. The body of God. The sweetheart of Elohim. I count it, my friends, an honor to be in service to the wife of the Almighty. Praise be to God. Don't you love him with all your hearts? Can't you see what Satan has done? Can't you see how he's changed it? Through time, Lord, it's around this man and his ministry and this man and his ministry and the church. Well, what is Happy Valley? Oh, nothing. That's just where Brother Donnie, Brother Donnie preaches there. Well, what the, you know what I tell people when they're thinking about moving here? I tell them, look, if you're planning on moving here and bringing your family here, you better come here and visit. Because Donnie Reagan is not Happy Valley Church. Come and see if you're a part of the assembly, if you fit in, if you have a camaraderie among the people. Because you're different streaming. If they don't like you sitting by you on their couch, well, they can just, you know, do whatever. But if they don't like you and they're sitting on the same pew with you, that could be a problem. It's not just about Donnie Reagan. It's not just around these preachers. It's the church. The church. The entity, the masterpiece of God. Let's bow our heads together. Praise God. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Heavenly Father, to bow our heads to the dust, Lord. My God, I pray that you would help us. May each of us. Lord, I wonder if every one of us, preachers, deacons, trustees, musicians, singers, all of us. May we realize this church is not here to flatter us. Lord, as I've told many young preachers who stand up behind this pulpit. But these people are professional hearers. They have heard some of the greatest men of God alive today. And I've warned them preachers, young preachers, if they walk out of there with a cocky attitude, know it all, they'll shut right down on them. But if they'll walk out with humility, then professional hearers will pull up with their mistakes and their stumblings. And they'll bear along with them and they'll actually allow them to learn to preach on them. They will put up with their greenness. And they're just starting out. 
But if their attitude is, I'm a man of God, they'll never get off the ground. After all, we do need the church. Oh, I preach in my sleep. I preach in my dreams. I preach down in the basement sometimes. My power saw hears it. My jigsaw. Some of my other tools down there. If it ain't hearing me, it's listening to Brother Branham. But it ain't fun preaching to jigsaws. Jigsaws don't say amen. They don't even nod their blade. We need the church. These musicians can play their instruments at home. But it ain't the same as it is being here before the church. They might go over there and practice in the room over there. But it ain't the same. The church is not sent to humor these musicians or me. We are sent to minister to them. Every God-called man around the world, may we never, ever forget that, Lord. Oh, Lord Jesus, help each of us, deacons, trustees, Sunday school teachers, the brothers in the library, the brothers in the audio booth, sound booth, whatever they do. All the people may get on their nerves and aggravate them, but help them to keep in mind, you will be beholding to no man. Everything we do for your wife, even in the weakness of her humanity, when we stand before you at that day, you have a record of it. Lord God, help us, I pray. Help us to serve the church with all of our hearts, Lord. Lord, may the church themselves realize their position. You died for them. You loved them. You redeemed them. You went to sleep with her in your body. But when you got up, glory be to God, the elements had been released to release her and give her a birth. And on the day of Pentecost, they come out of there, the Alpha Bride. Praise be to God. It was the beginning of the alphabet of God. The prophet called that early church the Alpha Bride, and he calls us the Omega Bride. That's why in the vision he's seen them twice. He said, because she was Alpha and Omega. And he said he didn't say anything about the middle, but the first and the last. Glory to God. Oh, if Peter could have sat in this meeting tonight, Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, the deacons had probably had a hard time keeping Peter quiet because it said, preach it, Brother Donnie. Luke had been saying, amen, I remember writing that. You mean there's people on the earth after 2,000 years who still believe it just the way we wrote it? Yes, sir, Brother Luke. There's people on the earth today that believe it that same way. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Can we just raise our hands, church? Now, you can imagine that the church is the judiciary body of the Lord Jesus. 
that a person that will not be reconciled to an individual, if it has to be brought to the church, the church is the final say. The ministerial gifts that are sent that are so great and we say, oh my goodness, this man can preach all. This brother so gifted, so gifted. Thank God for the gifts. But remember why they're sent. They're not sent to make this man important, that man important, this man great, that man great. They are sent to the body, the church. God gave Paul to the church. Oh, I love the book of Acts, don't you? But can you imagine what the New Testament church would have been if you just had the book of Acts? If there was not 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Philippians, Galatians, Philemon, Titus, 1st and 2nd Timothy, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and all those. Hey, can you imagine the doctrinal things, the revelations that lays in Hebrews? If God had not have sent Paul along to be able to straighten out all those things, oh, the miracles was fine. That was wonderful. That's what all the book of Acts was about. But God sent Paul with some doctrinal things to straighten out the church. To help them get straightened up. Don't you love it? We love it today. We thank God for evangelists, don't we? We thank God for apostles that can go out and start works and the different works that God has done. But where would we be without pastors? Where would we be without men who labor in the word and labor and labor? And oh my, they could preach fast and they could preach this or that. But God gears them. God gears them in such a way when they're before their assembly to where it's in shepherd gear. Some of you have heard me preach out. You know how fast I can preach. You know how I can go. It amazes me how God takes the same man and the same gift and put me in one pulpit, I preach one way. Put me in another pulpit, I preach another. Why, God, God is in control of the gift. That's the thing we want. Let God do it. Let God do it that way. It's not for me. It's not for you. It's not for you. Your gift, your ability to do this and that, it's not for you. It's not to make you to where you'll, you'll have heroes, followers on Facebook. Oh, I've got so many followers. I'm famous in the message. I'm this and that and the other. You're totally missing the mark. You're a Hollywood preacher. You're a Hollywood singer. You're a Hollywood musician. We're not to be like that. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Don't you love Him? I'll tell you one thing, from the pastor down to the brothers who help you park your cars on Sunday morning when the parking lot's crowded, to the brothers who get you a tape in the library, to those who do whatever to help you, each of us ought to be so honored to be of service to the church and you ought to be honored to be able to come here and sit here and be a part of it and be here every time you can when them doors is open and be a part of singing be a part of prayer be a part of worship and whenever prayer requests are made well brother Donnie will pray for him don't get in your mind brother Donnie's going to pray for him you're the church they're not just sending these prayer requests for me to pray over them. I pray over every one of them. They're laying on my desk. And when I go back there after church, I will read every one of them. Every one of them. And I pray over them. But they're not just sent to me. They're sent to you. Heaven's gates is not going to just swing open for me. They're going to swing wide for you.
Praise God. Don't you love him, saints? Oh, let's give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless you. Love you so much. I'm, I think Brother Louie may have maybe have mentioned about uh, Sister Sharon, Carol's sister down in Kentucky. They've got her under hospice care. They're in the hospital in Kentucky. The doctors have just given her a few days to live, as far as the doctors know. We know with the Lord Jesus, He could raise her up right now. If breath left her body, He could come by and raise her up. You need a witness? I'll call Lazarus. But if it's God's time for her to go, we don't want to keep her here. It's going to be a terrible loss for her family, her husband, her sister. Chan's actually been more like a sister to me, actually, than a sister-in-law. I mean, Carol left Louisiana on Sunday after I'd preached and baptized seven people there. And then we got gone about 3 o'clock, something like that, and drove uh, about seven or eight hours, something like that, up to Birmingham. And then went up from Birmingham up to Kentucky to see him. And uh, she wasn't really conscious she was able to tell Carol, I love you, never get it out, but just say it with no voice there, but certainly just desire your prayers. Lord willing, I plan on being here this weekend with you unless something was to happen that she was to pass, and uh, I'll be there. I know you understand that. I appreciate your understanding, but certainly just pray for them and the family. We've got several children at home, and uh, her husband that loves her dearly. They were married when they were just really, really young. And, He's just so, so broken dealing with this. So we certainly covet your prayers. I know you've got a lot to pray about. There's always so much in my game more to pray about. But if you have a little extra time, if you just call our name before the Lord in prayer, we have confidence in your prayers. You're the church. Amen. Let's just pray before we go. Anybody here would like to raise your hand as a need or request before God? Somebody in your family, sickness in your body, whatever it is. You out on the internet, do the same. Let's just bow our heads together and we'll be dismissed with this. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word tonight, Lord. Oh God, as I've been studying this now for months, putting this together now, Lord, and when I was out in Arizona a couple of weeks ago, oh God, it just becomes so real to me. It was burning in my heart. I couldn't wait to get back to the church to be able to preach the New Testament view of what the church really is. I pray you'd help us tonight to see it, Lord. Dear God, we bring these requests. There was hundreds of hands that was raised. Lord, I'm asking you tonight, Father, dear Jesus, that you'd move for Sharon. Oh God, she's moving into that channel of death. To where the consciousness and unconsciousness is merging together and in and out and back and forth. And Lord, staph infection in her body and one thing after another. Dear God, if it's her time to cross over, Lord, make it an easy crossing for her. You remember, Lord, when they overdosed her many, many months ago. And she coded in the hospital and died. And her soul left her body. 
And all of a sudden, she found herself in a place with the most beautiful flowers. The grass was the most beautiful green she said she'd ever seen. And the flowers were the most beautiful colors she'd ever seen. She was in that land and she did not want to come back. But she felt a pull to pull her back to the realm of mortality. No doubt her husband and her children needed her for just a little longer. But Lord, I know in talking to her that she's never been the same since that experience happened to her. I don't figure any of us would. Lord God, I pray you'd help her. Help her husband, help her children. Help Carol, you know how close they were, Lord. Be with us, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, minister to your people, the saints of God. We love you so much. Thank you for letting us be a part of the church, of the living God. I thank you for letting me be part of the Happy Valley Church. Lord, you may send me somewhere else. You may take me before the rapture. I, I don't know. I don't know what your plan is. But I just want to thank you for the present that I am where I am. I enjoy preaching out in other places that I go, but I always love coming home. And I believe I'll always feel that way till you take the burden from my heart. For it was you who spoke to me over 30 years ago to come here. You spoke to me yourself. And I believe when it's your time for me to leave, you can still talk. So I believe if you want me to leave and go somewhere else, you don't have to send it second hand or third hand. But I believe you'll let me know. My burden's done, my work is finished, whatever more. Go here, go there, sit down, quit, whatever. I believe that's the way you work, Lord. I pray, Father, you'd help each of us to be that solid in our faith and our position that we're not going nowhere till God tells us. Be with us now, Father. You say our plans are together, together again this weekend. Would you just meet with us, Lord, in your great divine presence? Go with us now, keep us, Lord. Bring us back at the appointed time and place. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. I'm talking about the church in the book of Revelation. Turn around and shake somebody's hand and tell them, I'm glad to be a part of the church. I'm glad to be a part of the church. Not Leo to see you now, but this church that Jesus claims is his own. Sing it for us, Harry. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's the old Come on now. Ship of Zion. It's the whole. Oh, yes, it is. Lost and die. It's a soul saving station. Glory to God. It's the joy.
about the church and the book of Revelation. Built on the rock, God a firm foundation. It's been through the flood. Built on a rock, got a firm foundation.